Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Dave Prentice, Gavin Buckland and Adam Jones as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Udderson Park and look ahead to Saturday's trip to Turf Moor where the Blues will face Burnley in another high-pressure game for the manager as uh, Everton go there with a record of three straight defeats as we all know, looking for a first win. In over a month, uh, I mean, it's Turf Moor where we will start today's pod um, before we move on to talking about Anthony Gordon, Calvert-Lewin, Moise Keane uh, and Tim Cahill amongst other things. Um, Preno, are you, are you confident that this run can be broken at, at, at Burnley tomorrow? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, nice positive start. We're, we're always very measured, very collected and yeah. very, you know, together yeah. in this uh, podcast. You know, we don't go for the shock jock tactics, you know, we don't start ranting and raving unnecessarily. And, you know, whilst th- there is obviously concern that Everton have lost three games in a row, uh, I wouldn't say it's any more than that. Um, but it's a very important game, you know, so ahead of an international break. Um, if Everton don't get a positive result, that's an awful lot of time then for people to analyse and pick over the bones of it and start discussing Marco Silva's future, which they inevitably will. Um, Everson certainly are capable of going to Burnley and getting the results as they proved last season spectacularly. Um, I don't think it's going to be quite as um, you know so comprehensive as it was then, because uh, Burnley are a decent side, especially on their own patch. What they do, that they appreciate their limitations and they play to their strengths. And you know Chris Wood, Ashley Barnes are an absolute handful, and they will give you know Michael Keane and Yerry Mina. A physical afternoon. I mean, fortunately, they both seem quite well equipped to handle that kind of, you know, I'm saying that thinking of the Millwall Cup tie last year, maybe they're not. <laughs> Moved on since then. <laughs> well, Lincoln City, you know, so, you know, whenever they have struggled, it's been, you know, sort of against the physical presence. But no, they're capable of handling that. Uh, so, yeah, Everson have the quality uh, to be able to go to Burnley and win, but it will need a positive mindset. I desperately hope that Andre Gomez is in the starting lineup because mm. we've missed him badly and he can make a big, big difference. So, you know, chance of the question. No, I'm not, I'm not confident of going there and getting the win because Burnley are decent, but we should be going there and getting the results, certainly. And, you know, I'm reasonably confident we can go there and not lose. Uh, and, you know, that will be, be enough, I think, you know, just to, you know, stop that little, uh, little run of results and hopefully, you know, so get people settling down and, you know, looking to the future. Gav, how do we, um, what's the best approach to beating Burnley? On their own patch, score early, <laughs> like, like like we did last year. Well, I think absolutely. we scored. Did we score in the early minutes? Was yeah, it? Yeah, three, yeah. three and twenty. So they've got minutes. to chase the game a little bit. Yeah, I think that that's that's the key. That well, that's the key for against you know, that's the key for us against all our teams yes. outside the top six, isn't it? I mean, we've got a horrendous record against teams like that if we don't score early, but we've got, I, I believe... We've know, got a horrendous record of teams score first yeah, against us, and it, yeah, not not fighting back yeah. and stuff. But yeah, I think we've got to we've got to score. We've got to, therefore, we've got to start strongly like we did last year and not get, give Bernie any chance to, to generate any momentum. So, what does, so in that respect, then, what does the front 
and I say this loosely, front four or five players look like? Um, funny enough, Adam and I were just talking about this. You've got to play Cavaloon. Absolutely, you've got to play Cavaloon. Because he's in form or because of the profile? Because he's in, because he's in form and because of the profile and, okay. you know, against the old uh, Chestnut because Burnley's size and stuff, you've got to play big. You've got to play a big striker all day, day long, I think, against them. Um, and then I I say, I like Keane, as in like Moyes Keane. Mm. I'd like to see him side that wide because I think he that's when he's yeah. looked more effective for us when he's came out wide. And I think the point was raised by someone last week that foreign, foreign players, youngsters who start up front, tend to start out wide first and then move, move into the middle. Mm. And I see perhaps there's an opportunity there for him at Everton in terms of getting more game time and affecting the game a lot more and learning his trade, I think, out wide. And I, I, I certainly that would be an option. Um, and for who's expense there? I still like Richarlison on the left. Yeah. Right. Where he started his Everton yeah, career. Yeah, I still... I still I Basically still, moved across the penalty yeah, area, yeah. didn't he, I, I, season? I, uh, I still like Richarlison on the left. I still think he's... Uh, I think still think that's his best position for us. And uh, do you think that Marco has changed that? I'm sure, there are several reasons beyond my limited football comprehension. But do you think that playing Richarlison on the left and him naturally would you know staying wide actually limits the impact that we can have from Luca Dean? Do you think that? So that's the yeah. I, I get that that's played. one of the reasons. I guess that. I guess and like Bernard is a more natural natural fit there. Um, and and I, I get that. I just and I think all, I also get the fact that one of the reasons our front four or five haven't been functioning is the fact that we have a different front four or five every week, you know, and playing sure. different positions. So I'm, I'm sort of now arguing against myself here. But I was just thinking, if you want to look at something a little bit different, I'd, I'd like, I'd like, I'd like definitely like to see Keane playing out wide. Can he play out left? I think he came to the club. He said he could play across <coughs> the front. Mm. Play him left. And I just think that's an option worth looking at at the moment because we're certainly not far on all cylinders mm. on the flanks at the moment up front. And Sean Dyche will have been licking his lips, won't he, at the prospect of this game given how we'd played against Bournemouth and particularly how we played against Sheffield United and how they had played. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to what Preno was saying. Like that Burnley don't really change their style much, especially when they're at home uh, against any sort of opponent. They tend to play to their strengths, which is obviously their, you know, their ability in a physical battle. And I think that's why I maybe disagree with Gav a little bit on playing Calvert-Lewin, because I think if you play Calvert-Lewin, then you are playing into their hands a little bit and you're saying... Played him at Turf more on Boxing Day, though. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have Moise Keane, though, as an option back then. And I think, I think the best from four that Everton have played so far this season has been Keane... It will be on the left for Charleston on the right and Sigurdsson in behind them. The, the, the team that started against Wolves. The team that yeah. started against Wolves. I just think they looked so comfortable together, so fluid. Uh, we were playing some really nice attacking football mm. throughout that game. And we haven't, I don't think we've seen that from four since. Hardly scored, is it, have we? Uh, well, I think, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that kind of backs, backs up my yeah. point. I, like, I was I think thinking it, that on the way down, to be honest, that, you know, that Wolves front four. But Wolves have played on the Thursday and was a little bit taken out of their game plan by that. But yeah, you know, it will be makes a big difference to me. Um, yeah, I wouldn't argue against that. Well, that's it. I, th- I just think if you play Calvert Lewin, then you're essentially saying to those Burnley centre backs, "All right, then we're g- we're going to try and give you a physical battle." I think if you play Keane 
you're offering them something a little bit different, something that they might not be as comfortable with defending. And I think Sigurdsson works a lot better with Keane in front of him as well. And I think, to be honest, Sigurdsson could be key for this match because if he's getting in between the lines uh, the way we know he can, you know, finding the right kind of space just outside the box, threading passes through to the strikers, that's where he's best. And we need to try and unlock that sort of potential in him, really. Does, does Bernard have to come back into this team? Because, again, using Boxing Day um, last year as, as a reference point because we went there 1-5-1, but he had possibly up to that point his best game for the club. Um, they couldn't really handle his movement and, and his trickery. Do you think he, he is immediately in the manager's thoughts for tomorrow? Um, oh, has his position been overtaken by a woke? Well, I think the problem with comparing his position in that game is because we were playing three, three, five, two. Yeah. Essentially, weren't we? we were Would playing... you rule that out tomorrow? Yeah, we haven't got three centre backs to play. So it's an old game. It's, uh, He's uh, a centre back. You're right. We haven't got three centre backs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I get no, the point. No, yeah, no yeah. let's be fair. He. Mason Holgate is a centre back. Yeah. Can we rule out playing three at the back? We can't rule it out, but I don't think that's the best. Okay. That's yeah. not the best eleven that we've got yeah. to play. I, 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 I would argue he, he has started badly this season. He's not looked particularly comfortable in terms mm. of seeing him play. But equally, you are taking all three centre backs that we have and playing them, and yeah. the risk of one of them getting injured then, of course, has mm. got to be high. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you, you're in a real pickle then if one I, of them, you know, so has a problem. I think if you play Schneider, then he's basically an auxiliary centre half, isn't he? On occasions, if mm. if you expect him on the three to push out a little bit, yeah. I think Schneider and sort of fills that role anyway. The thing I'd say about Keane about playing up front tomorrow is just thinking about when he played Sheffield United, the Goldison and Sheffield United is a really well drilled, experienced central defence and he was really really struggling and I think that's one of the reasons why I'd rather play Carvert-Lewin tomorrow He was um, against three centre-backs that day though to be fair to him That's what I mean but he's still he's still playing against a well-drilled central defence aren't you and I think Bernie's is similarly well-drilled and I think um, There's more space for him playing in a wider position yeah, and if you I maybe just, think about the moments that he's had joy this season in various games they tend to I'm kind of just yeah. Going through my mind's eye here, they tend to have come when he's had a little bit more room and he's played away from the middle of the pitch. Yeah, and I, I definitely think it's worth looking at. I mean, I did mention a will be there because I mean, do you like this thing? It might be I mean, we've got to talk about midfield options as well. Like, I do like this option of playing a will be through the middle, right? Mm. Like you know, Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just think that that's maybe better suited for him. And like, and then we got like two hours to talk about Sigurdsson. Then <laughs> I just, I just think it's it. We've got we've got a midfield like that's getting back to full fitness. Does that give him an opportunity to start playing so, a team so, that he wants to? So, because in the last two three weeks, a lot of the discussion has been about changing formation. You know, this is this is what's wrong. We need to change formation. Do you sense that that's that's the the key to success tomorrow and the key to success going forward that we have to change formation? I think that with any change of formation, Sigurdsson always seems to be the sticking point, doesn't he? Because we've spent a lot of money on him and there's no doubt of, of his quality at all. You know, he was our joint top scorer last season. I'd argue like that Wolves game at home showed just how important he can be to Everton going forward. I know he didn't get on the score sheet that day, but I think he was... Absolutely pivotal. Best game of the season, yeah, he yeah. was pivotal to the way Everton played, and I think it was similar in that Lincoln game as well. I think he was really good in that game, so he's shown he can be absolutely crucial. But I still don't think 
the way Marco Silva's setting up Everton at the minute, that he necessarily fits into this system as comfortably as he really should be for you know for somebody who cost the club forty five million. I think we really should be trying to make him a, a little bit more comfortable. And uh, if you change formation, like especially people are now saying, if you go two up front, then you've got to think wh- where does Sigurdsson fit into that? Like he can't, he can't, you can't put him out wide. You can't put play him as one of the strikers. If you're playing him as one of the midfielders, then you leave an Andre Gomez out, presumably. So it, 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 I think Sigurdsson is the real sticking point to, if, of any like f- sort of formation change, and it'll be interesting to see how. Marco tries to get around that if he ever does try to switch it up. Um, you've 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 fallen fallen onto a point which I wanted to bring up, and the idea of playing two up front. I'll, I'll um, put this one to you. The manager has not outright dismissed it, but when it was put to him recently about the prospect of playing two strikers in a four four two or you know two 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 centre forwards, mm. he sort of threw the question back to um, the television reporter at the time and saying. Well, when we had just one striker on the pitch, we ended up we were creating more opportunities than, than when we had two. Do you think it's um, pointless as even believing that that we will see a four-four-two or, or two strikers in a traditional sense start tomorrow in any game going forward? No, I don't think we will see it because you know Silva's made his uh, feelings on it painfully clear. I mean, funnily enough, that Sheffield United game, I, I was absolutely craving to see. Uh, two strikers up top just you know to try and see something a little bit different to give Calvert-Lewin a bit of support and see how it worked out and it didn't work you know for 20 minutes we, we probably looked even worse than we had done but you can't just give 20 minutes of football you know so to that system and then say okay it hasn't worked let's go with, look elsewhere I mean obviously Marco Silva's knowledge of tactics uh, is far superior to mine but I just think it's unfair on Calvert-Lewin really um, you know, sort of asking him to plough that, you know, sort of lonely for him. Although having said that, listen to Gary Lineker um, earlier this week and he was talking about, uh, you know, systems and formations and saying that his best partner by a country mile uh, in any of his teams he played for was Peter Beardsley because Peter Beardsley hated getting into the penalty area. <laughs> he said he did his best work on the mm-hmm. periphery of the penalty area and he allowed me to get into the box. He goes, that gave me more space. I could make my runs unchallenged. Uh, he goes, you know, the same number of defenders are in there, he says, but, you know, if you put two up top, you get extra defenders dragged back in there and that congests space. And he seemed to believe that playing one up top was better for him as a striker and it's better for teams generally. I suppose for that to be a success, you've got to have a striker as of the quality of Gary Lineker, you know, that has that pace to get ahead of defenders and then can finish when he gets there. And Calvert-Lewin, you know, we've seen, you know, that's possibly not his strong point. Uh, but Marcus Silva's made it clear. No, he, he doesn't fancy that as a system. So I don't think we're going to see it anytime soon. And I, I personally would quite like to see it given a go on occasions, you know, just to see if, you know, Calvert-Lewin looks more effective, if Moyes Keane certainly looks more effective. Um, you know, a 19-year-old kid trying to find his way in a new league, you know, giving, giving him a partner to bounce off just might be the making of him. Uh, it won't happen tomorrow. Whether it'll happen anytime in the near future, I doubt, because, you know, Silva doesn't appear to like that system. Gav, is the manager or would the manager be making a mistake to if if he was if he ruled it out completely? What are you talking about playing four four two or three five two? Well, two strikers ultimately, because that was the question. So we we could have to be fair fair to. I the, think the way he plays, he'd have to play three five two, wouldn't he? Because I think if you play four four two, you negate the the advantage of your four backs bombing on then, because you've got two players, two wide men in front of him. So I think for the, the way he wants to play, where he likes his full backs to bomb on. I think you'd have to play like Wolves do, like with 
three five two, and yeah. then we get back to the starting point of well, can we play three three at the back? Which I don't I don't think we can because I don't think we've got the three set. I don't think we've got the right balance of three centre halves. Playing a three five two, I'm generalising the formation here, but the system naturally feels a defensive one more in the sense that. So is the yeah. requirement for the second of those two strikers? Somebody who you know you can rely on to defensively fill in, track back. And it, would that be, at this stage in his development, something that perhaps Moyes Keane would naturally... Um, it wouldn't come naturally it depends, to him. But Yeah, it depends then about like what, how you configured the three in the middle and the three, five, two. Mm. So if you have three and two wing-backs, whatever, it is like what the strengths and weaknesses of those three. So you don't necessarily have to do that. So that's what I'd say. I mean, the other thing as well is, I think there's a there's a feeling in football, isn't it, that actually, fourth, there's like this political correct thing now that if you're a coach and you say to your chairman or director of football, I'm going to play 4-4-2, that, yeah. that's sort of like, yeah. that's antiquated that. You're you know, dinosaur, we, we, you're a dinosaur, yeah. you know, and I think, I think, um, I think, Coaches have that sort of thought well, at the back Salz, of the mind. Salzburg played that way at yeah, Anfield, yeah, it didn't yeah. look too shabby using it. But yeah, yeah, well, exactly. But I think there's a feeling around that. So I think for us to make it work, we'd have to make it 3 5 two. But then I don't think we've got three at the back. So playing two up front for me is a non starter mm. for the impact it has on the rest of the team. So uh, and we have, I don't think we've got the players throughout the pitch to, to do that. But I do I do think there's a time and a place for it. Um, Stephanie against Sheffield United was, was definitely one. It was painful, wasn't the first half, as Adam was saying, about playing three centre halves and against Moyes Keane. It was just like a, you know, it was just mm. like a completely one sided uh, thing, wasn't it? You know, so not at this moment. Okay. Um, what do you make of Calvert Lewin at the minute, Adam? He seems to be, he never seems to be far away from criticism, yet he scored four goals in three games, is it? Four, mm. four, yeah. yeah. Um, are you, are you as an Evertonian, happy with, with his, his, um, Output and his and, and what he's produced so far this season. I think you've got to be happy with the, his last month, definitely, because you know, I think I was looking, I was researching a piece the other week, and uh, he'd never scored in consecutive games for Everton before before this month, and now he scored four in three games. I think that that represents a significant improvement from someone who you know throughout his time at the club, everybody's always said you know he works hard, he's really good physically, he's got loads of pace, but if you get him inside the box doesn't finish enough of his chances and I would argue that he's probably still not finishing enough of his chances yes. I think that one in the second half against Man City yes it's a good save from Edison but for a striker you know leading the line for a club like Everton you would expect him to try and put you know at least put that in the back of the net mm. so I think there's still definitely improvements for him to to make but I think it I think you know some of the criticism that gets aimed at him is a bit unfair a lot of the time, you know, especially especially now that he's still getting criticism aimed at him because, you know, like a few months ago we were saying oh, he works really hard, but he doesn't put the ball in the back of the net. Now I think he's probably performing a bit a bit worse Below than his, he was. Yeah, 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 he's probably performing in general a bit worse than he was, like in terms of his his contribution to the team as a whole. Let's say mm. he's probably performing a bit worse than he was towards the end of last season. But now he's putting the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> he's he scored Everton's last four goals. Just by himself, so yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't see how he can, he can really bear the brunt of criticism at the minute. I, I, I think he should be given the chance uh, to uh, to continue this run of form. Yeah, he's he's improving, and you know I've, I've said many many times how I like him as a footballer, and I think you know he reminds us so much of Graham Sharp and his development, who was like you know slow to develop. He was like twenty three really before he started to realise his potential fully. 
And um, we're starting to see Calvert-Lewin very slowly do that. The big problem he's got is that he's, you know, a, a young footballer that didn't cost a great deal of money. So, you know, he's sort of come through the ranks a little bit. Um, he plays in a position where people expect, you know, big money signings, absolute stellar players that, you know, will guarantee you 15, 20 goals a season. And it's a very, very difficult position to grow into. Um it was interesting what Gav was saying before about you know players starting out wide and then moving their way into the middle, and then Thierry Henry is the obvious one that you know sort of did that. Um, but Calvert Lewin hasn't had that luxury. He's a centre forward, and you know I think he was a midfielder initially, wasn't he? But you know yeah. he's he's been a centre forward you know throughout his you know, his professional career, and he's having to learn you know so as he's going along you know the, that role. A lot of what he does is very very good. You know he's already very good in the air. I mean, I love the way he times his leaps so mm. early and causes centre-backs so much difficulty. His, uh, his running down the channels is very, very good. The only thing that has been holding him back is his finishing and that's improving, you know, So as we're seeing over the last few games. So I think we're going to have to be patient with him still, but because he's a centre-forward and because he didn't cost a huge amount of money and because he wasn't scoring potfuls of goals, he's always going to be under scrutiny and uh, unfortunately, that's just modern football. You have to live with that. Uh, you know, do, you think, do you think, therefore, that because, look, he's a, he's a very level-headed Young man, really um, pleasant, really nice lad to talk to and, and interview. Do you think because he doesn't have, for want of a better phrase, star quality, he doesn't have that sexy CV, he doesn't have the big money price? Yeah. Do you think he's a victim of that? Because he doesn't Cruyff turn past, you know, take three defenders out the game with the Cruyff turn, nutmeg the other one and, and ping one in from 30 yards. He's not. You know, is he yeah. is stylistically is he not somebody that will will appeal to the masses instantly because he's, he's a he's a worker. He's a bit of an old school centre forward, isn't he? Which is not very few far between. Ironically, you know, apart from tomorrow's opponents. To be fair, yeah, I, I get that. I, I, the bit I've got sympathy for Carver Lewin is, I think he's bearing the brunt of fans' frustration. The fact that nobody else is scoring in the team. So when that happens, everybody looks at the centre forward's responsibility for goals. I mean, let's say the Kilfie's got one all year, hasn't he? Richarlison's got two. We've got mm. six goals in seven games or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's shone the light on him a lot more. Whereas if he was scoring in other parts of the pitch, then maybe he wouldn't get the same amount of scrutiny. Uh, I, that's what I say. And I do, yeah, I get that. He is, he is an oldie, worldie style centre forward, of which there's, there's not many of them left, really. I mean, uh, and and I think yeah, I think that maybe comes into it. I do have some sympathy for him. Um, at the same time, I mean, they talk about this lack of chances, but I remember um, which was the game last year when we played Crystal Palace at Salis Park, and he did an analysis on match the day off. Of his, I think he and Knight and Gary Lineker did mm. it, and he was showing like bits where like actually he was making one run in the area, and he was saying, no, no, if you want to be a top striker, yes, that's the I run. Remember, yeah. You've got to make, I think. Mm-hmm. They, they showed three or four things where he's making the wrong runs. He's a young striker, though, Gabby. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, he's played hundreds of games for us, like, you know, so yeah, he, um, he has got a bit of a few miles under, under the clock. And, and and I think it's that coaching side of it on the training ground. You want to see a little bit more of that coming out, don't you? Because though he doesn't get many chances and stuff, he got three on, sun, on Saturday, ironically enough, is sometimes it's like you've got to make chances yourself by making the right run. Mm. And so I sometimes I don't think he does that. And that, that's that's the one commentary I'd say about his game. Do you see do you see that he's got that potential? Are you are you satisfied that he's somebody that will improve um and, and you know, in theory, could become, you know, going forward, him and Moise Keane, 
to become, you know, sharing that 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 sort of responsibility. I think it, when you get to twenty three and you've got a hundred games under your belt, how much you improve? Half of those I starts think, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think it's half and half. Not all of them up front. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's played that wide, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think at twenty three, it's it's a big ask. I'm not say you can't, but at twenty three, it's a big ask because mm. you know my thing is is like you've got to develop between. 18 and 20 in the top flight, if you're in the top flight. But, you know, I mean, he might do. I mean, he could score, go on a big run now, couldn't he? He's got four and three games. Mm. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it's a big ask for him. And we've got other players in there who can play striker as well. We've just spent 30 million on Keane. Interesting. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. What do we think of um, what Pep Guardiola said about him, Adam? Um, is it almost a backhanded compliment him saying he's so good in the air but then doesn't qualify that by any other praise is that is it a backhanded compliment Pep you know saying he's such a threat in the air brackets I don't think it's a backhanded compliment I think he I think he was pretty sincere when he said you know he like he was good in the air and you know as Preno pointed out he is he is, he is, he is yeah, fantastically yeah. good in the air uh, whether Everton have the players in and around them to try and really take advantage of that or not is another matter entirely. And I think against Man City, that was certainly the case. Calvert-Lewin was winning those headers, you know, as you'd expect really against, uh, especially Fernandinho, but Otamendi as well. He's not fantastic in the air, I wouldn't say. So you'd you'd be expecting someone of Calvert-Lewin's prowess in that area to be winning those headers. But it it was as if Everton's wingers a lot of the time just weren't expecting him to be winning the headers because I'd noticed a couple of times he was flicking flicking the ball onto himself. Mm -hmm. And not gambling know, worthy, in, you know that. Yeah, exactly. Parlance, and and I mean, I know you're playing against Man City, but you know, if Pep Guardiola's identified that as you know maybe perhaps a weak point for his team uh, and a strength for Everton, it's just a little bit strange that Everton's players didn't really seem to pick up on that either. But he's so good in the air. Surely the onus in an attacking sense beyond him winning the flick-ons for the fullbacks and our wingers is to start delivering better quality balls. If you know that Calvert-Lewin is so good in the air, surely the manager has to be saying, You've, your delivery's got to be better. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 put Burnley under pressure. Yes, well-drilled, traditionally very good, you know, old-school defenders. But Calvert-Lewin's probably the best header of a ball going forward in the league. Well, you saw that against Bournemouth, didn't you? Like, yeah, all, exactly. all, all, all it took was a half-decent cross from... Well, half-decent. It was, it was a very good cross from Richarlison. <laughs> Uh, That's what I'm saying uh, more of that, surely. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. It's, it's all very well saying that, though. It's actually, you know, putting it into practice. But it's a cross, Preno. It should be, I know, and yeah. you should be picking players that are capable these of doing be, that. These footballs being paid how much money a week? And you <laughs> you can't, can't cross, cross the ball. ball. Well, we can't because we've proved it. You know, we, <laughs> we actually get more crosses in, I think, than any other team in the Premier League. Yeah, that they, is our they, modus operandum, get the ball wide and yeah. get crosses in. And, Sorry. you know, so many just aren't yeah, up yeah. to scratch. Did you see the Arsenal-Man United game on Monday? It was confident to see that we're not the only club with that sort of problem, by the way, you know. Yeah. I know, I get that. I think, I think I've not got a problem with that. But as that's part of our like one part of our armory. But I think the criticism has been made. It's quite valid. But that appears to be the only thing that we're capable of doing when we're going forward these days is is getting the ball out wide and getting it into the middle. And I think you know I'm quite you know. And tomorrow that's how they'll set up. And they set up like Sheffield tonight, won't don't they? No, narrow defence and just invite, give us space on the wings just to to put the ball in. And I'm looking for I'm looking for more penetration through the middle of the pitch. Yes, which is and, why Alex Iwobi. I think uh, that's what I think. I'd play Iwobi in front of Sigson. A because I think he's got more about him. 
D, I think he'll fit better into a four-three-three. And C is, I, you can flick on centre forward many different ways, and one of them is just a nod on for someone running in behind you, isn't it? Like yeah. running off you. And I think I will be far more capable of that. I think I think I can't remember was it the game, home game before last year. He tried to do it a couple of times, or or maybe on Saturday. And I think that that's one of the other things I'd look at. But Calvert Lewin, yeah, he's got a lot of hard work to 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 become the striker that he we we, we hope and hope you know hopefully he'll become. But it's a big ask for him. Just going back to what you said there, I mean, it will be. I wouldn't replace Sigurdsson with him. I play it will be with Sigurdsson. Yeah. Um, I just think his quality is he's got the vision to actually play decent penetrating balls into the yeah. box rather than getting to the touchline and getting crosses back I mean the one for Sigurdsson against Manchester City yeah. uh, you know he, he produced some real good quality passes into the box and that's something that we're starting to see you know on the occasions that we see him starting games obviously he didn't start at the weekend um, I just he offers something you know he offers a goal threat obviously you know, we've seen that a couple yeah. of times already so you know he can offer something a little bit different rather than just getting crosses into the box for somebody to take advantage of which is why I like to see him playing he's saying you play them both through the middle no I play Sigurdsson in his traditional number 10 yeah. role and Iwobi on the left yeah. with mm. Charleston on the right which obviously then leaves Bernard out you know then but you know that, that's Option the way off the going. bench though yeah absolutely yeah Interesting. Okay, we'll move on from um, Burnley. Uh, the manager has this morning told us that Anthony Gordon is, quote, really close to a first-team call-up, although caveated that with the suggestion that he probably wouldn't be close enough to be involved this weekend and that the team probably needed to be in a better situation and a better run of form for a young player such as that to be given an opportunity. Um, I have to admit, um, Gav, I didn't expect the manager to be quite as forthright and want of a better phrase, positive in that respect in what he said. Um, were you surprised to, to hear that he considers Anthony Gordon really close? No, no not the flashes of seeing of Anthony Gordon playing for the, you know, under, under 21s, under 23s. Um, I think, I think like, um, and he's only 18 as well, he isn't is, he? Yeah. So he's playing, talking to Adam before he came and he's playing against lads, that was about three, maybe four years. <coughs> and in midweek, he played against Burton Albion. Yeah. You know, a little older than him, and he looks he looks a level above. But I've seen him this this uh, this year, so I'm not surprised. And I think it's it's a, it's it goes back to what I, what I always say, isn't it? Like talk about academy plays. Gorn's in that window of maybe like a year to eighteen months where he's got to show that he's Premier League standard. And I'm just wondering whether that's that's Silver's thinking there. Mm. Mark, it, Marco did add that he thinks since since he came to the club, he said Gordon's the one who's been closest. Yeah. You know, what you don't want him in is two or three years around the academy and going on loan, never to be seen again, and it's yeah. stunting your development. I'm just wondering that if he's seen, seen him and he's, he's saying that he's the one that I would like to, mm. to have, have around. Because when I've, when I've seen him, he has looked a class above. And um, he's obviously got something about him, and you want to take advantage of that now. Not let playing academy football do you respect two or three years, and you know, still to find his talents. So when 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 is the right time, Adam, to to, to play Anthony Gordon or, or add him to the squad? You know, it's been said to me a couple of times this week. It's it's now time for a, a you know change of the guard. Theo Walcott, you've had your time, but Anthony Gordon's a young up and comer. He needs to take his place mm. in the squad. Um, would you add him to the squad tomorrow? Uh, probably not. I can, I can see the argument that, that, 
you know, some quarters are trying to make the, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Uh, but I think what really interests me about Gordon's rise is that, you know, it's not as if he started a lot of games for the under-23s last year. I think in the Premier League 2 last year, he only started five games. So he's already made more starts this season than he did last season for the under-23s. Like Before that, he was mainly an under-18s yeah. uh, sort of player. So I think it's more about trying to get him you know, fully integrated than, you know... D- playing at a consistent level for the under-23s first. You know, he's made an absolutely fantastic start to this season. I think these quotes from Silva only amplify that because I'd say in the summer that we'd say probably Lewis Gibson was closer to being in, in involved in the first team rather than Anthony Gordon because, you know, Gibson was starting games quite regularly at centre-back over, across pre-season. Mm. So I think Gordon has seemingly now leapfrogged Gibson in that, in that sort of... Mm. You know the next person to be called up, and I think quite rightly so. You know he's a he's a really really exciting player. I think he still works better playing on the wing rather than Unsworth seems to think he's he's more of a number nine uh, at under twenty three's level. I think yeah. if he was ever to move up to the first team, I think it would be coming from the wing because you know he's got so much pace, so much skill. You know he's he's not afraid to take on play. You know as he showed on Tuesday against Burton, he's not afraid to take on. Players who are six, seven, eight years older than them, and you know, and the rest, yeah, exactly, and just show them, show them how it's done, really. So, yeah, I think he's he's shown a lot of exciting signs, but I'd, I think I'd quite like to see him on a consistent level for the under twenty threes first, and then you know, once he's a little bit more comfortable and a little bit even more confident than he inevitably will be now, I think then you can start thinking, and hopefully Everton will be in a better run of form then, and then you can think, yeah, let's let's bring him into a match day squad then. Prano, put yourself in Marco's shoes today and looking ahead to Burnley. You know, Marco's aware that, you know, there's a, there's a, a level of discontent among supporters, frustration, concern, uh, you know, disappointment at the start. Would there not be a temptation to name Anthony Gordon on the bench for the lift it would give everybody, the sense that there's a sense of excitement, you know, it, you know, almost that idea that it might just breathe new life into things? Totally. I mean, it, it's been done many times in the past. I remember especially when Franny Jeffers came through and, um, you know, he, Rooney was given his chance because physically he was ready for mm. senior football. Mm. Franny Jeffers, you could argue, wasn't at the time. But Walter Smith was in desperate need of a lift towards the tail end of that season, took a chance on him, scored on his debut against Coventry, scored in the next game. And, you know, so it, it was definitely worthwhile. Um, that was born of desperation, I think. Um, we're not at those no. situations yet. But equally, it does give people a lift and... Sometimes having a youngster on the bench that Burnley won't know a great deal about can be like that, just a little bit of an ace up your sleeve that, you know, they're, they're not expecting. Throw him on for a quarter of an hour. We know he's direct. We know he runs at defenders. You know, they're tiring. Will he be expecting that? I, I think it would be a good shout. But as Marco himself said, you know, he plays in an area of the pitch where Everton have got a lot of quality already. They've got plenty of options. But, I don't know, it sounds like, you know, we're, we're being down on Theo Walcott here, but... You know, he would be the obvious vulnerable person, you know, to, to make way. And has he shown enough so far this season to suggest that, you know, Anthony Gordon deserves a chance ahead of him? Probably not. Obviously, he had the injury last weekend, so maybe they're going to have to be cautious about that. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. you know, I think it could be a reasonable opportunity to put him on the bench. But the counter, I suppose, is that put extra pressure on the kid and yeah. people expect mm. and more from that, him. Mm. And that is what Marco has actually alluded to, hasn't yeah. he, today, where he said... I'm, I'm massively paraphrasing, but he, he's obviously gone. Look, the the onus on Saturday is on the established senior players to start 
yeah. mm. you know, start scoring goals, start creating, because we haven't done in the last, well, yeah. you know. And I mean, they'll argue it, it's only it's only Walcott who's being linked with, you know, if he, like he'd be the one to drop out. He's the one people are saying it's a natural replacement. Well, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Like their, their, their qualities, I'd say, are the most similar. As, as to anybody else in that in that front three, like you wouldn't expect Gordon to be coming in, in in place of Bernard because I think Bernard is an absolutely completely different player to Gordon. I think mm. I think Gordon and Walcott playing a similar sort of way, not the not the exact same, but in a similar sort of way. So yeah, I do agree with Preno. You know, if if Walcott doesn't start, you know, performing to the level that he needs to, then you know he he might have Anthony Gordon breathing down his neck quite soon. Gav, any? No, I agree. Goes back to what I was saying before. I, I think if you're going to consider playing and putting the squad, do it now. When you say like Freddie said there about maybe not quite ready, well, I'd argue like when will you be ready? So Even what's, what, your, is, what's is, your what's your development pathway to make you ready? I, I think Marco was know? alluding more towards the circumstances. Yeah, I get you that. Know, yeah, three yeah. games on the bounce, lost. You know, why bring a kid on in a situation where it could be even more pressurised? Why? Wait until we won three games in a row, and then you know things well, are up. Well, the, 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 the consequence of that, but actually, but like I've got a winning team here. Don't change it. You know what I mean? I know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just think that I'd, I don't see the point. It goes back to the, what academies are there for, and you know, I, I, I don't see the point of like if you have got some of the academies quite clearly at a young age, at a level above the people he's playing with and yes. against. I I don't see the point of just like saying oh just carry on playing and we'll see when it's right or when you're ready. As I say, I think you have a window when you're 18 or 19, perhaps in the Premier League, to transition from the academy into a Premier League player. Even and, and I would definitely, I definitely think, I'm not saying like start him, no. but if you question stick him on the bench outside of Walcott, definitely. So to, go off, sorry, to, go, to go off on a slight tangent, that's why I'm a big fan of the uh, the leasing.com trophy or whatever it's yeah, called yeah, now. Because yeah. it gives kids like him an opportunity to play against senior professionals who are, yeah. you know, experienced, who, you know, will give them more problems than they can handle than, you know, an under-23 team would. It's like the old Central League used to be. And, you know, so it hasn't been for a long time. And it's just, it's, it's different. And, you yeah. know, obviously I was wasn't there on Tuesday night. You two were, and he didn't. There was look phased, did he? There was. He, he played in. He played very well in in flashes throughout the game. But then there was a moment in the second half, right on right in front of us, um, where he got the ball on the wing. I think the defender was stood, stood maybe ten yards off him, so he'd given him at least a ten yard hard start. Knocked the ball beyond him, and he was in the blink of an eye, fifteen meters the other side of him, <laughs> and you had an experienced yeah. League One defender. Just yeah, running in treacle, basically, yeah. and I think people kind of went. Yeah. Hang on a minute, what's going yeah. on here? Um, I was just interested, though, Gavin, in terms of what you said there, but all, being mindful of the fact that, as Adam alluded to, his rise actually through the, the academy system at Everton's actually been quite quick in terms of he was only this time, half yeah. on the periphery last season. Yeah, this time last year he was an under 18s player, really, wasn't he? And as we've spoke about many times in this podcast, the gap between 23s and first team yeah. is ginormous, isn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, exactly. And the gap between League One and the Championships is ginormous yeah. as well. But it goes back to what I was saying before. Is you have, like, I always think you have this window to show that you're good enough. And the players, the, the players who do make it at 18 in the Premier League are ones who have that, like by definition, have that sudden burst of yeah. development. 
it was just turn up because they've got like a they've got a don't say rare talent, but they've got like a talent that's way above them. So you say, are you saying level. almost, and I'm, I'm I'm very sort of crudely paraphrasing, what timing is everything. Yeah, I I I just. You know, it goes. I don't see the point if you've got a player of who's obviously that rich in talent of just letting him. I wouldn't say drift, but like try and save his time at academy level. I think you've got to, you've got to try and get that moment right and see if it works. And I, I know I get the point about mm. what Silver's saying, but I think at least getting him on the bench. Well, there's a good starting point training with the first team. Yes, every day. That, yeah. That's that's the, that's the first that's the first point. And then natural selection is then, you know. Featured in the first team squad. Yeah. And I think I think those two things are just good starting points. But I'd, I'd rather have that than just say, you know, look at the players you've needed the best next big thing at Everton in the last five years. What, Ryan Ledson? Kieran Zow? You know, maybe throw Tom in there, by the way, now. Mm. You know, how have they developed? You know, when they come in, oh, they're the next big thing and stuff, and it's not, not happened with the three of them, and I don't want the same thing to happen. Though Tom is still in the with the club in the first team squad, yeah, I, I don't want mean. the same yeah. thing happen. Happen with this lad, who's obviously got a rare talent at that level. Indeed. Okay, interesting. Before we wrap up and get uh, the customary predictions, uh, a little chat. Tim Cahill uh, back at the club uh, in recent weeks, only temporarily, of course. While he uh, works towards his UEFA A license, coaching with a variety of age groups in the academy. Um, Adam, I think I know the answer. Pleased to see Tim back in full Everton gear. Yes. <laughs> yes, I absolutely am. Uh, I, don't, I just don't see why not. You know, former player who's trying to do his badges, why not invite him back? I think it'll be a boost for those kind of academy lads that he's going to be working with. You know, the chance to work underneath someone who they're all going to know like in, in Tim Cahill. Uh, I think it's it's just a no-brainer for me, really. You know, if he's, if he's good enough, then just let him... Let him do it. Um, of all the players who played under Moyes for an extended period, who Prenner, did you think or who do you think would have made or will make the best coach? Who, who, who exuded those It is quality? absolutely impossible uh, to predict, you know, so who was going to do that because Duncan Ferguson was a footballer that arguably didn't show a great deal of interest, you know, so in football and football coaching, um, you know, managers have told me that, his teammates have told me that, and he actually took like two or three years out of the game entirely, mm. you know, when he retired, and yet came back and has made a big success out of being a football coach. So you can't really tell. I mean, Phil Neville's nailed on, wasn't Phil he? Neville, you would have thought so, yeah, but, you know, well, he is, you know, he's, he's now, you know, sort of managing a, you know, a very, very high profile football team. Um, Tim Cahill, I'm delighted that, you know, his experience and his knowledge is not being lost to the game. Uh, because you know he's done so much and he's you know been around for so long, it, it would be a shame if that you know just didn't wasn't put back into the game and other people weren't a- able to learn the lessons that you know so he's absorbed. Um, he wouldn't have been the obvious choice though. I don't know. I mean, Kevin Kilban, somebody I always thought that you know too so busy might, on the ice. Yeah, might go into coaching, uh, but didn't. Um, Alan Stubbs obviously did, you know, he's uh, gone into coach. Yeah. David Weir yes, did. Yeah. Uh, the ones that you expect to did. Uh, Cahill, yeah, it's it's not one I would have obviously thought so, but, you know, I'm pleased that he is. Mm. Gav, anybody in the last sort of 15 years that's come through and played for the club that you think they should have been a coach or no, should no, be? This one that I'm picking up on premise, it's the ones you shouldn't. I've never said Arteta. Right. To be honest with you, for the strange thing, because you never, you never, I think it may be in the language thing, but maybe never struck me as somebody who'd be naturally 
you know, when you see him on the pitch, he was. Do you think we have? Do we think we have a, a, yeah. a, a, a sort of a, a prejudged players? And, and do we think the players who play defence and yeah, all the organisation, they're the coaches? Yeah. Whereas Arteta, Flair, play when, when, when the thoughts about that, that, no, but when I think about it now, he's such a technically gifted yes. player that actually. You know, and that's not enough to be a coach. You've got to be able to communicate it, which mm. obviously you can. Yeah. And not, and not doing that, it's be a fully, not just a coach, fully rounded assistant manager or whatever you call it. You know, um, and um, it, I think he he was one that I, I never thought it would. But when I think about it now, maybe it's quite an obvious choice. Mm. And as I said before, it's interesting to see that City may be lining up Van Bronckhurst to 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 succeed uh, Guardiola. It is interesting when you think of Arteta's uh, future managerial path. But Arteta, no. But when I think about it, yeah. But you do have this image of yes. like yeah, Jackie yeah. Elk. Jackie yeah. Elk's another one you would think. But yeah. is that, there's a lot more in the modern day game. There's a lot more than being a coach and just getting out there and motivating players. There, there's some you know straight away that will never go into coaching. Tommy Gravison was never going to go, go into coaching. <laughs> I Imagine that team. Oh, that'd be great yeah. to watch. <laughs> It'd be uh, anarchy would reign. I, I tell yeah. you who has been a hugely successful coach, but he's never really, I don't think he's got desire to go beyond that is Lee Carsley. Yes, mm. yeah, tremendous, yeah. And he got, didn't he get manager of the month when he was at, uh, Brentford. Was at Brentford? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's obviously got some somebody from the Moyes area who's got both coaching and management skills, mm. but I think he's obviously... Well, he's, he's with the England set up now. Yeah, Funnily yeah, enough, yeah. I went to uh, Sir Steve O'Timothy, one of his uh, one of his nights yeah. in, in Ormskirk, uh, oh God, this time last year, and uh, Lee Carsley was on stage with him. And I was having a bit of a text back and forth with Lee beforehand and then afterwards. And um, he was so well received. You know, I said, oh, come on, you know, so is it worth us floating a few stories, get you back to Goodison, you know, so yeah. get you working there? No, I'm, you know, I love Emerson, but I'm absolutely happy doing what I'm doing. You know, so yeah. I just want to stay doing that. Yeah. So, you know, he loves coaching. I don't think he does want to do anything And more he's been that. hugely successful. Yeah. Whatever his coach is. I've said he's under 18, I won't say. He's just to yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. miles, yeah. didn't yeah, he? Yeah, like, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Uh, and he's somebody you never know. You never mention as part of that, like group of players we're talking about. But out of all of them, he's had pound for pound, easily the most success and the most varied career. Um, yeah, interesting. interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay, before we wrap up uh, today's Royal Blue, Podca- Blue, Royal Blue podcast, even put my teeth back in. Um, <laughs> predictions time, Adam. Uh, your prediction for Burnley versus Everton uh, tomorrow at Turf Moor? I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to say a two 0 win. We're going to keep a clean sheet. Very nice. Oh. Gav? Mm-hmm. Yes, just a 5-1. <laughs> no one saw that coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> another one, by the way, another one's a great success, Scott Camel mm. from Moyes Era. Scotland, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with, I, I, I play like we did last week against City, show the desire and commitment. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 2 nil as well as that, yeah. Much as I'd like to predict a clean sheet, I can't quite say it. They'll score from a set piece or something. <laughs> Uh, but Andre Gomez's return, uh, I'm hoping he's thrown back straight back into the starting lineup. Makes such a big difference. I'm gonna. Sometimes clubs, you know, are made for certain, you know, other clubs. Yeah. And I'm thinking of some of our trips to Turf Moor. You know, I'm trying to ignore the one where Ashley Williams won't walk about. But uh, which one's that? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go for three-one, a three-one uh, Everton away win. Yeah. yeah. I, I then have not been as well in the Premier League between the two teams in ten. Ten meetings. Oh, wow. so, yeah. That's well, why you're here, Gav. That's why, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what that <laughs> yeah. means. Whether but you were drawn up, the definitely you. Uh, yeah, got to be yeah. confident. Beat Burnley home and away last season, and I think that you know, on the back of last week's performance, there's enough signs of encouragement. Uh, I think, I think two nils a fair, a fair prediction, and uh, 
back on track before the international break. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed uh, you can keep up to date with all the uh, best updates, news, analysis, opinion and reaction from Turf Moor. Myself and Adam will be there for the Echo tomorrow. Chaps, thank you very much for your company and thank you for listening to the latest Royal Blue podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.